Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hub City Homers. I believe this episode now 43 um, or 44. I've kind of lost count. We did so many interview specials. It gets hard to keep track. Um, today, we're going to be talking about primarily NIL. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about the recent huge tech news regarding the Matador Club, though we will have a discussion over that and putting that into the context of the greater NIL debate. But we are going to focus on things such as, you know, how does this apply to non-revenue sports? How does this apply to... The conversation about parity in college athletics, how does this impact realignment? Is NIL and can NIL and should NIL be, you know, effectively just a substitute for paying players? Is that how boosters should be viewing this? The question of, you know, how are these collectives formed? Should they be nonprofits? Are they actually nonprofits? It's going to be a pretty wide uh, ranging discussion. I think it's going to take us a good amount of time to work through. It's a complicated issue, and I don't want to pretend that any of us are subject matter, matter experts on. Um, college business. I can recommend some great people. If you are interested, just DM us or look around on Twitter. There's some really interesting news articles and guys who really cover that closely. Matt Brown and Extra Points is probably the most famous of just pure focus on the business side of sports, uh, I guess is the way to think of it. But there are plenty of others. And if you need recommendations to read those guys and their takes, let me know. But um, we are going to close the show then with just recapping the draft so far. We've had several Red Raiders taken off the board, including some future Red Raiders. We'll discuss some of the guys who may be deciding to go, may decide to come back, which recruits are going to go, which recruits are going to come back, and we'll see where we stand in the draft overall. But we're going to start with the most recent news because it is the most relevant today. We are recording this on what I think will now be known as Tech Twitter Cactus Day. Um, for those of you who didn't see the backstory, and I, there have been a few. I've seen that question pop up on Twitter. So if you're listening to this and need a refresher, um, Brian Covington, I believe, Carrington, um, the TCU uh, head of recruiting, recruiting coordinator, he's the equivalent of Coach James over here, had some words to say about Tech's NIL collective. Now, his on, uh, arguments were all total and unmitigated nonsense. I mean, it was straight up one of the dumbest threads about the value of NIL that I've ever heard. But he seemed to take offense with the idea that the $25,000 per student athlete that Tech will be paying to 85 scholarship football players and 15 preferred walk-ons, he seemed to take offense that that actually should matter to kids. I, I thought his argument was both tone-deaf, nonsensical, and frankly kind of embarrassing for TCU and really hurt them, I think, in recruiting, considering the immediate backlash being a bunch of really famous alumni with really famous followings um, getting involved in the fun as well. But... Let's focus on the Matador Club first. As I mentioned, it's about a $2.5 million 
yearly contractual basis. It's renewable each year. So students will have the option to continue with the program. It pays out to about $25,000 per student pre-tax. And again, that's for the 85 scholarship players and then 15 of the preferred walk-ons. Now, I want to open up this conversation from one particular angle first, which is to focus on the positives. We'll talk on some of the ways about the NIL discussion that are may call into question some of this, just part of the larger discussion I want us to have. But it is just absolutely true that this is a good thing for tech recruiting. And that's the angle I kind of want to look on at first. So Kendall, I'm going to open up this to you first. When you heard the news that this was happening, what were kind of your immediate reactions to the impact this was going to have for tech football? I mean, it's hard to really find much negative with um, what this will mean because, you know, more NIL, that's just like we've talked about it for months now, really. More NIL is what is going to set your program apart. And what the only thing tech has done in the last week, week and a half is show how committed they are to not just their football program, but really all of their sports programs. Like this has been, there's been some huge steps taken here just within the last week and a half of showing athletes, recruits that tech is all in for their sports programs. And, you know, Mike, you've hit on it a lot with, especially when we've talked about like the stuff with Texas A&M, but everyone knows people are paying players and like it is a big part of college football now. And for tech to kind of get out there, they got a lot of national headlines yesterday when this was announced. Um, This is just going to be really positive. If you're a recruit and you see that, um, you know, you right away, you're getting guaranteed money. And TCU's recruiting coordinator was talking about how 2000 a month is nothing. But, you know, we know it. if you've gone through college, whether you're an athlete or not, that 2K a month is the biggest difference in the world. Like that alone pays for just about like a lot of living per month. And, you know, the like uh, I think it was uh, someone on the Viva account or maybe it was our Hub City account um quote tweeted something about Donovan Smith and how he was an Uber Eats driver like that no athlete no D1 athlete should be having to do that so seeing you know now that recruits can see that when they come to tech they can focus specifically on school and football cuz that already takes up enough time so now recruits see that they don't have to you know do things on the side to get themselves some extra money because tech is taking care of them And, um, like in that aspect, I don't know how any recruit can look at this as like a negative thing because also, you know, every player is getting the same amount, including the walk-ons, which is amazing for them too, because they're also paying for their education. So like walk-ons see this even, you know, because there's a lot of talented walk-ons out there too. You know, if there's a, some walk-ons see this and they want to come play for tech as a preferred walk-on. You know, those are the, some of the diamonds in the rough, too. So I just think overall, looking at this, you know, tech recruiting wise is going to see a pretty good good uptick. And um, and th- like you said, Mike, that thread that TCU coach went on was so stupid. Like there was not a good point made on any of it. And um, 
you know, just seeing tech Twitter kind of come together and really show that much more fan support. Like there's been a lot of things going tech football's way recently, and this is just a huge step forward for the program. Look, and here's my thing about, you know, recruiting coordinators. I expect them to be very, very outwardly facing presence in the program. It's actually kind of unusual to see how active Tech's coaches are on social media. That's, you know, you're seeing more and more coaches, guys like Lane Kiffin kind of do this, but it's usually not quite what we're seeing. Tech's Twitter um, presence is pretty significant under the new staff. It comes from being a younger staff. But I especially expect guys like James Blanchard and, and Coach Brian at TCU. These are the year recruiting guys. I expect them to be very active on social media. And I fully understand the feeling that when your rival's making big news to try to draw attention away. But let, let me just be clear here. TCU, by the way, if anybody from TCU's administration is listening to this, pay me to teach your idiot guys how to, how to tweet. For one, your AD should never, by the way, we're going to get to this in a minute because I think it's hysterical, the, 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 the TCU ticket situation, but never tweet anything that ever makes a rival look good. Ever. Don't ever do it. Don't draw attention to it. Don't, don't, don't. Don't even attack them through it. Because here's the other thing is TCU is a very small alumni base comparatively. It's not a very active or passionate fan base, generally speaking, either, compared to Tex. And this isn't to say that there aren't diehard TCU sports fans and that there aren't fans out there. There is. It has a D1 caliber fan base, but it's it's on the lower tier. It's more like Houston's than it is Tex. That's that's kind of the what I'm what I'm looking at. It's not that popular within Dallas. The Dallas-Fort Worth area, Tech is more popular. Texas is more popular. I think A&M is probably more popular. I think, hell, even Baylor has comparable claim to the area because it's it's an extremely expensive college for everybody else, and that's not their fault. I'm not, I'm not questioning you know the, the, the merits of private education, but here's the thing. When you're a school that you know does not have the clout, don't do things that let rivals clown you easily. For, for on face value, never don't, don't ever – the only thing he should have said – the only thing, and here's the honest to God truth of the matter, and again, I think you mentioned this, but this is what I believe all coaches should be doing right now, is if I'm TCU, all I tweet about, if I'm Baylor, if I'm Oklahoma State, Kansas State, anybody who took offense to this in the Big 12, all I'm tweeting is just some cryptic hint that your guys will get more money. That's it. That's all I'm doing. I'm tweeting something like, that's chump change, and I'm leaving it alone. What I don't do is try to tell broke college kids that the largest NIL team-wide offering is insignificant. I think he called it donut seeds, which I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean, but I'm assuming it means small, which is just nonsense. I tweeted this through the Viva account. Seriously, don't underestimate how big of a deal $25,000 is to these kids, right? Plenty of these guys are, you know, comfortable. They have Their families are financially stable, but there is a sizable percentage who their families are not financially stable. They got this scholarship and that was the only way they maybe even could go to college and their parents back home are taking care of siblings or in bad financial positions. They're counting on their children to go make it big. And not all these guys are going to make it to the NFL who are in this position. So now they get a hundred thousand dollars that they can get back to their home and, you know, maybe even put a little bit of something away from themselves. And you know, that that's what this is about, right? Like, we're going to debate merits of NIL. We're going to debate, is this the correct vehicle? We're going to debate all those things because it's part of the discussion that has to be had. But objectively, if I am a rival program's recruiting coordinator, I'm not making the world's dumbest 
tone deaf argument about how much money you know you can make in DFW versus Lubbock. Let's all forget the fact that like regardless of what you think about Lubbock, there are more tech alumni in DFW than there are TCU alumni, right? And let's ignore the fact that like rich local bo- boosters are who are making all these NIL deals. There are more of them for tech. There just are. There's more money in tech's alumni base. It's bigger. That's just reality. It's a numbers game. Besides, like, the Lunchables guy, Womble and Campbell and, you know, any number of rich donors, there's a lot of money in Texas Tech's alumni base. It's a major system school with, until the last few years, 20,000 graduates, now 40,000 students on campus. So there, there's just, I thought this could not have been handled any worse by, by a rival fan base. I thought, I, I could not, while I was watching and I'm just thinking, do they, do they not know that this is dumb? Like, this, this can't help you. This can only draw attention to the fact that TCU does not have in place a comparable program. And my favorite line, and this is one we're going to get to as well with the NIL discussion, was the line about, I ask you that they quantify you outside of the university and the market. The NIL market doesn't exist. It's not real. None of these kids are actually being paid for their likenesses. They're being paid by boosters. Like, Nike's not dropping fat stats. We're not seeing that. What we're seeing are local boosters stepping in and funding these kids through their businesses and these collectives. So I thought that was like the dumbest thing ever and shows that if that's TCU's thinking, they're screwed in the NIL era. You know, like they they are in trouble and this this really hurt them. And because here's the thing, this helps tackle recruiting, but your big opponents now are TCU and Baylor. And TCU just stabbed itself in the heart for no apparent reason. No apparent reason. In, in the same couple of days, you have a TCU AD admit we can't fill our own stadium if we're playing tech. Like, we got to hide the tickets. And then you've got your recruiting director saying, we're not going to pay you as much as them, but the market's worth more here. So I it, I was blown away by how bad that was handled. And from tech's perspective, obviously, on the heels of a $200 million investment, is the clear statement that you are going to be a factor in major college football for years to come. Um, that they are committed to winning at the highest level, more so than programs like, say, Rutgers or Vandy, who are in the, you know, these super conferences. You know, there is something to be said that you are trying to make a case for yourself in the event that down the line, the Big 12 is no longer viable, which, knock on wood, with the newest line of realignment, it'll end up the third super conference. But we don't know that. So you are making a case that to everyone watching, you are committed to playing big boy football. And that, that's as important as the recruiting benefit in the short term. That's as important as the momentum in the short term is that long-term statement of we are committed to winning and we'll do what it takes. We have the alumni that are willing to do what it takes. Now, Jack, I want to open this up now to the larger NIL argument, which is to first and foremost just talk a bit about these collectives. And what I want to focus this on is, is a discussion I had on the Twitter account with you know Matt Brown, Shayon, who are both, you know, pretty active in this discussion. Matt Brown writes about a lot. Shehan's been watched, been beating the drum as well, which is on the nature of this being a charitable, quote unquote, nonprofit collective. It's a 5013C uh, corporation. It's a nonprofit. You can write it off. I, I'm not, again, not a tax attorney or accountant, so I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but to the, the, the big donors, there is an argument being made that this is effectively tax fraud because there's no way these kids can actually be worth $25,000 each in charitable work. I just I want to open up the discussion there because while I think this is amazing for Texas Tech, I want to frame whatever we're doing in the greater scheme of the NIL because I think we can all agree this is awesome for Tech. But let's just focus on that part of the discussion. How are you feeling about the collectives and things like this and you know Texas's pancake budget thing? 
Uh, first off, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, get the liabilities out of the way. Uh, none of the three of us are offering financial advice to anyone. Uh, so do not listen to anything we say about financial advice. We don't know anything about that. We are not liable. Um, going off what you said, uh, I just want to add before I jump in on this, I live in the DFW area. I live in uptown Dallas and I am out every day. I go on a four mile walk every morning on the Katy trail. And on the days that I wear Texas tech gear, I get at least two to three, if not five different people giving me the guns up or the Reckham every single time every single day that I wear that shirt or my tech gear. I have maybe seen one TCU shirt on the trail that I walk. And it's, I mean, for those of you that know that are listening from the DFW, it's Katie trail. So there are a bunch of people on there. And I think I've seen one TCU shirt there in the last, you know, I've lived here now for, you know, full time for seven and a half months. And, uh, that's, that's what I've seen. Uh, when you were listing schools, uh, tech has a huge alumni base here, obviously Texas, Oklahoma does, uh, one that was left out that I do want to give their props to Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas has a massive, absolute massive fan base here, alumni base here. I was not, I was unaware of just how big it was. I knew they were here but I was very unaware of how large uh, the Arkansas alumni base is here in the DFW, and it is big. Uh, I would say that it rivals uh, Oklahoma and possibly even Texas. Uh, but and and I and I kind of think that all four schools kind of are somewhat similar. Uh, you know, SMU, just because of where I live in Uptown, I see a bunch of SMU stuff because I live about, you know, five minutes from their campus. Um, so I see a lot of SMU stuff, but just because it's mostly students. Uh, again, I don't see hardly any TCU stuff at all. That's not saying that there isn't more in Fort Worth. I'm sure there is, but I would get, be willing to guarantee there are more tech people in Fort Worth even also. But jumping ahead to your question, I think it's really interesting uh, how you can see, and, and the Matador Club has done really well at this, and it's really it's very unique what they've done doing this, and it and it's helpful. And I want to kind of expand on what Kendall said a little bit when he was talking about what two thousand dollars that stupid TCU coach was saying that it's just a stipend check. Well, you know what? I would have killed for a stipend check of two grand a month in college. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, there were times when I was living in Lubbock that I had trouble paying the rent and I would definitely have killed for a check of two grand just to, just to have that peace of mind. Even if I'm not putting it all away, if it's covering some of my rent, but that's a peace of mind knowing that I don't have to drive Uber Eats, like you mentioned, that I don't have to, uh, you know, deliver pizzas after I, after I leave practice or, you know, just, it's just, or that I don't have to go, you know, work at McDonald's after practice is over until 3 a.m. just to have my rent paid. You know, that's such a huge 
weight off some of these kids' shoulders that, you know, might might be struggling at home and that are preferred walk-ons and that are busting their ass every day to, to, you know, get that scholarship. You know, we always see the feel good videos of head coaches announcing that you're on scholarship and stuff and everyone, you know, dog piles them or whatever. Like that's such a great feeling for those kids. And, you know, a $2,000 check a month could mean all the difference, even if it's not to the scholarship kids, but to those 15 preferred walk-ons, like that, that could be a peace of mind that helps them sleep better at night. And that's pretty fucking cool. Um, when it comes to the organization doing this, the Matador Club is awesome. And I want to give a quick shout out to, I, I think, I think I see it all the time. They're really into basketball and it's, and it's uh, Kirkley Knowles and those guys over there, Kevin Knowles and Kirkley Knowles, uh, the level 13 agency. Uh, they do a lot with that and um kind of like using the guys to mo- they they have like their own um their own clothing brand and they use student athletes at tech to model their clothes and to um you know promote them and they take you know it's ads for i i can't remember what the brand i think it's maybe like, like called hyper ice or something like that y'all need to go check them out it's really cool gear uh, they do a lot um, right now through Kevin O'Banner. They did a lot with Adonis Arms, um, Davion Warren as well, I believe. Uh, but they did a lot of they did a lot of cool stuff uh, with the basketball. I know they did some stuff with Vivian Gray as well uh, when she was a student at Tech. Uh, but I think it's really cool just when it comes to everything that you see the types of deals the di- the diversity in it uh, you know we we look back on um some guys from the baseball program recently that got uh deals with canes uh raising canes chicken uh there are a few that got some nil deals through just like private companies and stuff um I know Dylan Carter was a war stick, which is for those of you that don't know, is a baseball brand. They make bats and gloves and ba- and batting gloves and stuff. Uh, Dylan Carter was a war was the like war stick college athlete for the brand, and that's 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 awesome. Uh, I hope he had. I hope he got some nil love for that. But the diversity of everything is very interesting, and. I need to brush up on it myself because like you said, go follow these other guys that are exclusively talking about the business side of college athletics right now. Cause it's, we're definitely, I mean, we'll talk to her blue in the face, but we're definitely in uncharted waters when it comes to all of this. So, you know, are these 501 C uh, organizations, you know, are they, are they true nonprofits? Um, I think some of it is since it's so young and we're in such like a new uncharted waters, as I mentioned, I feel as though it's a very gray area. I feel as though, you know, we could be reading very soon about someone who did it, did something the wrong way, uh, not to throw any universities under the bus, but uh, the U in Miami. I feel like, you know, we'll, we'll be here in, some stuff uh, like they're under investigation or something pretty soon uh, dealing with all their NIL deals that recruited all the uh, 
talent in the transfer portal when it comes to basketball, you know, Nigel Pack, all those guys. Uh, and, and it's definitely uh, interesting too. I, I had a conversation about it today with someone on Twitter about um, kids that were drafted, the recruits that were drafted uh, in the MLB draft, you know, for the rounds that they were drafted in, you know, the, uh, the max signing bonus they could get is 125 K. Well, do you think that you can make more NIL money at tech? I mean, if those, if those deals, which Cody Campbell has said that he would like to duplicate those deals across basketball and baseball as well, you know, are, are you able to make more NIL money than that signing bonus at tech? Um, you know, are, can you use the NIL money that you're making in the two years that you have to come to school? If you don't go to the MLB team that drafted you and you're eligible when you're 21 again, uh, it's, it's a very interesting time in college sports. And I think that people who are donating to this are doing the Lord's work. They're doing a great job. And if you feel the need to go donate, then go donate to the Matador club, you know, find out a way to uh, help these kids out. But I, I think that these guys have obviously already been in touch with lawyers and, and just to make sure they're not doing anything wrong. But I feel like if you go out of your way to do it on your own, like you can't do it. Obviously you can't do it as a booster. You can't sit there and pay the kid, just like give him a 20 out of your wallet and be like, Oh, this is NIL. No, you can't do that. But, uh, you know, I just feel like this is a very interesting time and it's a lot of, stuff that's going to be policed a lot harder really soon. So I feel like this is really the wild West right now. I feel like restrictions and standards are about to get a lot tougher, but right now it's kind of just a huge gray area and there's a lot of, and and tell me what you think about this, Mike, but I feel like there's a lot of like backdoor under the table stuff going on that you, that obviously it's just taking money out of boosters wallets and giving it to the kids, but you know, they're going to put it through, an organization and pay them for an ad or something, but it's really just them paying each other, paying the athletes. I, I I think when I had this discussion, for those of you who follow the Viva account, I was talking to Matt Brown, Shayon. These were two guys. By the way, I I, I think Matt Brown is probably going to read. He he he's probably one of the best. There's a bunch of others. Like I said, we can recommend more names. That one's just fresh on my mind because we did I did just discuss with him on. Twitter about where he's coming from with this argument. Um, And the point of the the collective argument is basically say like, are we allowing rich people to create a new tax shelter to funnel money to, to kids? And the answer is maybe right. Like I don't think Cody Campbell and Dustin Womble and these big boosters put themselves in a position to commit tax fraud, right? Like I don't buy that argument on face value. And the, the, the counter to that argument is, well, maybe they got, the wrong legal advice. Look, I, I'm, I'm sorry, and I, I respect the the analysis of a lot of these guys who have made this argument. They're well-researched positions, but it's just not true that major millionaires put themselves out to dry with their entire fortunes on the line over college football without consulting with a pretty good lawyer. And here's the thing. There's a, this distinction in tax law. It's tax avoidance versus tax evasion. 
tax avoidance being legal, aka you do things to try to pay less taxes within the realm of the system. Tax evasion is tax fraud. You know, the, you are doing something illegal in order to avoid paying taxes. I believe with all of my heart that this is avoidance versus evasion. And, you know, there will be billable hours spent by the IRS if they decide to ever come after this. But here's my position on these collectives. Why the fuck would anybody care? Right. Like at the end of the day, if rich boosters want to give money to kids, the argument's always been that we need transparency into what those kids are getting. Here's the transparency. Here it is in public. They are publicly announcing what they're doing and saying to the whole world, this is where the money's coming from. This is who's giving it. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what we are trying to get the kids to do, which is charitable work. This team does a lot of charitable work in West Texas. I assume now they'll do more. They'll get more involved in the entire region outside of even just Lubbock in the offseason. And look, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe the argument's correct, and there's no way you can get $2.5 million worth of charity work out of these kids, right? Because that's the argument being made, is that they are using these sums of money to avoid taxes in order to pay kids to play college football. But, you know, we, we've touched on this. Both you and Kendall touched on this, Jack, which is the idea that these kids need the money. They desperate, A lot of them desperately need the money. We've all talked about that. We can talk about it at the end of the day. Who gives a shit if rich do boosters use this as a tax shelter as opposed to some other tax shelter? Right. And the, the counter to this is, is, well, isn't it isn't all forms of this wrong? Right. Like, shouldn't shouldn't we set this up so that the system is just fair? And I agree. But at the bottom of my list, if I'm in charge of the IRS or these sports collectives, because why would you ever want to cut funding to these kids this way when you go after any number of corrupt charities? At one point, you know, Wounded Warriors is a really big charity. At one point, I haven't confirmed that this is still the case, so I don't want to act like it was, but at one point, they were spending like 60 to 70% of all donations on salaries, right, for like their executive level. Right? Like, well, if we're going to have questions about charities, the place I don't care to start at are the people who are paying college kids for providing a multi-million dollar product. And that, that, that's the end of the day, right? Like, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds because I'm not an expert. And like I said, read extra points, read the article Shehan puts out, Dennis Dodds, any of the folks at The Athletic who write about this, all of them know more than us about this subject. But I don't want to get too into the weeds there because at the end of the day, I don't really care. I really don't. Texas did the same thing. And my concern with Texas wasn't that it was inducements or tax fraud or whatever the hell. It's how, the, how are they getting away with only paying one position group? Doesn't that create a lot of jealousy in that locker room for the defensive line who aren't getting 50 grand? You know, be, what, what, about, what about an A&M where these obscene numbers are being thrown around to these kids and nobody really knows what anybody else is getting, which, you know, if you've ever met college kids, they're going to brag, right? Like, why would you want locker room poison? That's why I'm glad this has gone wide because the star athletes are always going to get theirs. They are going to get their money. But everybody else is kind of letting the lurch. And the way to take out some of the sting of that is, okay, yeah, you're not the starting quarterback at Texas Tech. You're not going to break in, you know, the six-figure endorsement deal. But you're not going to be wanting for money. You are going to be comfortable while you're here. Besides the room and board paid for, here's a little bit of extra. If you need to help your family, you can do that. If you're not going to go pro and you're comfortable, here's a little nest egg for you. Here's to pay for some extra fun on the weekends or uh, in the off season when you're going on vacations. So like, I, I just, uh, I, I think that there is a valid argument to be made that the charitable nature of these collectives is questionable because they are just vehicles to pay college athletes, but I can't be bothered to care. 
I cannot be bothered to care because one, like I said, I truly believe if Cody Campbell wants to hide his money, he's going to hide his money. And two, it's as transparent as can be. Here's who donated. And then the other thing about this is the little donors who are making this, it's little tax write-offs for them, right? Like there's, there's thousands of dollars coming in and little donations from tech guys. This isn't just Womble and Campbell dumping the cash in. Now they're, they're that caliber boosters paying for most of this, but it is everybody else participating too. And even if they only get, you know, $10,000 worth of community service out of these kids, that's $10,000 worth of community service of money that was never going to go to a charity anyways. And at the end of the day, the people who deserve to be making money from college football are getting it. So I, I just can't, I can't, I can't root for the IRS to hammer these schools, right? Like, of all the ways NIL is happening, this is where I'm going to take the subject next to transition, which you have the Miami booster, the mega booster, who we have no idea if he intends to honor those contracts. That's one guy signing a deal with a basketball player. Any number of these backroom shady deals Jack was talking about where these guys are basically telling him, come here, I'll give you 50K. And that money may or may not ever arrive, and it may or may not be legal in the first place or with an NCAA rules. What I know about the Matador Club's money is it is one as until the IRS says otherwise, it's fully legal. It's been vetted with an NCAA lawyer, and it's backed by the reputation of some of the biggest boosters tech have who are publicly staked their name on it. The program has signed it and given it the seal of approval. So I, I have to believe that this is better than letting, you know, a lawyer just say, here's a hundred million, you know, here's a hundred million dollars, go buy the best college football team money can buy, and then never paying a dime, you know? Like why I'm more worried about that than I am these collectives hiding behind a tax shelter. Because I, I just maybe and I, I fully understand the squeamishness of the vehicle. And I'm not saying it's good. I trust the intention of Dustin Womble and I trust the intention of Cody Campbell and the other big boosters who I don't know the names of as well. I trust their intentions. I trust that they're going to use this correctly, which is to promote community service in West Texas. But for those of you who are on the outside looking in and don't know these guys like we do out here in Lubbock, I understand the squeamishness. But again, I can't, I think it's just wrong and backwards to be hoping the IRS takes an ax to these kids' paychecks. Right. Like, I, I think that's as wrong as what they're doing is hoping that they get hit for tax fraud and these kids lose these kids lose their money in particular and maybe even get audited. So that, that I think that's as wrong as it is what they're doing, because at least they are putting money publicly and saying we are willing to pay these kids, willing to put our name on it and the reputation of the school and our brands on this. Now, I'm transitioning the conversation to something Jack mentioned, which is those backroom deals. And I'll let Kendall open this first. Kendall, basketball seems to be ripe for this. You you can accumulate less talent and spend more on it. You know, when you're looking at the NIL market, do you ever see a world in which we move past kind of these mega boosters? Do you see a world where Nike starts to pick favorites or Adidas or some of these schools start to pick favorites more so than they already have been? We, we all know about the Kansas scandal and all that jazz. But do you think that they start getting into bed with Duke and UNC and funneling talent to just a few schools? Or does this remain, if your boosters got cash, buy the five, you know, the five transfers you want? To me, um, especially with Nike and Adidas and those companies, um, I don't think that they're going to be funneling players to specific schools, but more so, like Nike especially, they've always just kind of, they know when they have stars in every sport. And, um, 
you know, I think they're just going to pick out their individual athletes to represent, you know, like when a guy like Zion does, if another guy like Zion comes into the college basketball world, um, I think that's just NIL is just an opportunity for those companies to get them signed to endorsement deals sooner than what they would have. I think a lot of NIL in the future is going to be mostly booster driven. And I think that's good because, but the thing like you guys mentioned about Miami is a lot of those dudes were signing contracts and like going to those schools specifically because of those big NIL contracts, which I thought was labeled illegal. Like I thought you weren't allowed to talk to boosters during the recruiting process about NIL stuff. But uh, like you guys said, like there's a lot of shady stuff that happens with NIL, which I think that stuff um, in time will get worked out. Like, I think it's going to be a lot like recruiting periods where there'll be NIL periods to uh, negotiate those types of deals. But I personally think that it's mostly going to say, you know, booster local companies that, want these players and athletes to represent, you know, whether it's their local business or, you know, just paying them to be a part of the program like tech did. And I think that the main thing you're going to start seeing within every athletic program is these types of NIL uh, collectives like tech has gotten a lot of recognition for theirs. Um, Texas A&M obviously has a very large one. Um, and like there, it's just going to start popping up all over. Now, I do think um, a school like Oregon probably has a little bit of a bigger advantage because of that Phil Knight money. I think uh, that's a situation where I don't necessarily it, it'll be kind of a combination of both Phil Knight and Nike that would be f- trying to get players to go to Oregon for that type of money. But that would that comes with very specific um, connections. Like, I don't think that Nike is going to be doing that for all their schools. And um, just talking about a lot of these boosters, it it really comes, it kind of is unfortunate for some of these other Power 5 schools that don't necessarily have the boosters that care about these athletic programs. Like, your, your schools like Cal, Stanford, you know, schools that in the past, you know, have gotten to the point where like they have very good pro athletic programs because like it, none of that, ma- none of the booster support it really mattered at the time. But now I think, you know, and this is why I think tech is going to be extremely successful in the future is the fact that we have so much support from the alumni that fill in filter in all this money for all our programs. It's not just football. You know, we saw it with basketball, I think it will happen very soon with baseball. I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of new upgrades, new NIL deals for that program. And I think you're going to see it just all up and down every program. But that's also going to hurt a lot of these other programs, these lesser programs, whether it's Power 5 or even some of these non-Power 5 uh, programs that don't have the alumni support. And... You know, and what it comes down to is, especially like that you that guy at the U, like like you said, you don't even know if he's going to honor these contracts. Like he o- offered Nigel Pack over half a million dollars to go play at Miami for a year, and that was announced before it was even announced that Pack was committing there. So that's the type of shady stuff that 
is going to, I don't, it's not going to ruin NIL, but that's definitely things that need to be like worked out within, you know, probably within these next like couple years because, um, and it will be, the NCAA has never been scared to kind of put their foot down when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, I'll just be interested to see, you know, as this kind of progresses with tech, um, you know, will this NIL collective, will it kind of lead to even, you know, bigger contracts or is this going to carry over for each sport? Like, is it going to, is there going to be an NIL collective for every basketball player, every baseball player, even like sports like volleyball, softball, some of the non-revenue sports that um, some of those players aren't even really getting, they don't get too many scholarships. And especially a sport like baseball, where you have such an important need for, you know, a lot of great players to be successful and you have very limited scholarships this NIL fund could be what kind of takes tech over tech baseball over the top, you know, like it, you know, we've been competitive with limited scholarships, but now when you got a possible NIL collective that just could take tech to the next level. And the reason I think that they get over that hump, but some schools don't is just because tech will have the financial support from their alumni to help them take that next step. So um, overall, I like answering, just kind of finally answering your question is I just think that more of NIL is going to be more booster driven than it is going to be anything like, yes, these big companies will come in, they'll find, you know, players that they want to sign to endorsement deals, but I don't think that these companies are going to come in and support entire programs because, you know, Nike and Adidas and Under Armour, they already do that kind of, but with the fact that, you know, with their sponsorship deals with the actual program. So I think that um, for them, they're going to pick out talented players that they think will succeed at the next level just so they can have them locked up far before they usually would. So I'm, I want to lay out a hypothetical and I want to see what both of y'all think about this. Hypothetical situation and this is going based off these big company things. If there is a, say it's the number one recruit in the country, hypothetical, hypothetical, and he's down to his final three schools, and his final three schools are Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech. Are you are you going to tell me that those clothing companies, because each one, Baylor's Nike, Kansas is Adidas, and Tech is Under Armour, are you? I mean, you would tend to think that these clothing companies, or really what they are, apparel companies, would try and dish, maybe, maybe throw each university a little extra to try and sweeten the deal for a hypothetical number one recruit, you know? Like, I feel like that's where you start crossing into this, uh, into this area, this gray area where... You know, if, if it's deadlocked, if, if each if the guy said, you know what, right now, all three schools are deadlocked even. Now, come recruit. I'm down to my final three. I've gotten it down from 20 and I'm down to Texas Tech, Baylor and Kansas. And now 
what do you think happened? Why do you like, I would, I mean, if you're and you say, man, I wish we had some more NIL money and you're just like, Hmm, Nike, Hey Nike or Hey Adidas, Hey Under Armour. Like, I wish I really had some more NIL money or so we could get the number one recruit, a guy that's going to go top five in the NBA draft next year where you can see him on all the highlights wearing your apparel. I mean, I feel like that's an area where these companies start making contributions to universities. And I feel like this is where you get in that super gray area where you have, there's a, I mean, obviously we all know there's a difference between a company like Nike and a nonprofit like, I mean, not to, not, I'm not dogging on there or anything, but like the level 13 people, that's a huge difference in revenue and income and like things that they are money that they can donate. Like this is where I feel like this gray area comes into effect. You know, actually what's funny about this is like major brands like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, shit, Google, Amazon, whoever deciding that they like a recruit and giving money to steer them to certain schools. The funniest thing about this is that's basically how NIL should function. Right. Like as, as, as much as that's presented as like a doomsday scenario that Nike decides they want like the next Zion to go to Duke. The reason why Nike is only getting involved with that caliber recruit is because that caliber of recruit actually has value in the marketplace. This is the thing, right? Like Tyler Shuck is valuable to tech because we want him to play football. He has no value to Under Armour football, right? He has none. Because he's going to go to the NFL, and then that's when his value comes. But he is not on anybody's radar as a Heisman candidate right now. He's not on anybody's radar as a top five draft pick. You know, he was. You know, he was a pretty piped recruit at Oregon. I don't want to speculate, but you do wonder if Phil Knight may have had some words when he was coming up as a top tier recruit. But the reason why those kids get the NIL money, like those transfers, get the attention, is they do have brand money, right? Like their brand recognition value. Right, like Zion wearing Nike shoes is a big deal at Duke because that's big for Nike. They're going to put him on ads. They're going to sign a deal with him right out of college. You know, the next in your hypothetical, you got a kid who's decided between Kansas, Baylor, and Tech, and Nike bids more and sends him to to wherever or Under Armour wins and he comes to Tech. That's because they think there's actual value there. And if anything, while it is you know quote unquote kind of a gray area with them guiding kids and inducing kids to certain schools. The concept is fundamentally sound that they have value. Their name, image, and likeness has value. Therefore, here's a deal to support that. Where there is no actual NIL happening is what the situation Kendall talked about with Miami. That was a lawyer who owns a what is effectively some sort of life alert insurance bullshit company that's never going to make any money. It's never going to be a thing. These kids offer no value to for advertising. And he's announcing the deals before they even get on campus that he's signing them to half a million dollar contracts, quarter of a million dollar contracts. So while the fear everybody's had is what happens when Nike starts throwing money around, Nike's only going to do that with a couple of guys. And from what we know from the last FBI sting, they're already doing that anyways. Might as well find out who they're targeting in advance. Right, like it's better for the kids if the three major shoe companies start getting in a bidding war. And here's the other part about this: the other reason you're not really seeing them do this is these margins that these companies are playing with are razor thin. Under Armour's been hurting. Under Armour's been in some trouble. Adidas has been in some trouble lately. Nike's pretty solid, but even then, right, like these deals are expensive. 
And you have to be able to quantify impact if a shoe company's going to sign an NIL contract with a college student, right? Like I saw a tweet made, I think the girl played tennis for maybe TCU, UCLA. I don't remember the school, but it was a girl tweeting at Lululemon. She was a big, I want to say tennis player. And basically saying like, hey, like I would love an NIL deal. Are you available? And Lululemon said, no, we don't do deals with college kids because it's complicated. It's hard. It's expensive. The value's shaky. Now, that isn't to say that it isn't happening or can't happen, but I think that the fear of this is overblown. The much bigger and real concern, and I hate to draw back to what tech's doing, is kind of what tech and Texas are doing, which is this becomes a salary raise. That's why my ideal scenario is the NCAA steps in now and says, look, like we're going to let kids sign NIL deals but only with you know recognizable, certifiable brands under X, Y, and Z parameter. We are going to let schools pay salaries. They can form booster-driven. It can be through the university, but there's a salary cap of 85000 a year. That is the maximum amount of money you can pay. That's just a number thrown around. Now, I know there are all kinds of free market consideration about why that's not legal and blah, blah, blah. I'm not I'm not speaking as this, this is my ideal, not in the, the reality we live in. Because I think that eliminates as much as possible the sketchier sides of this. Because here's the thing, like I said, I'd love if Nike started to play ball more because we'd see big figures being thrown around by a shoe company and actually know where the money's going instead of what they're doing now, which is paying people under the table to go to certain schools, right? Like why does Kansas keep getting top recruits? They've gotten a little bit of help. Right. You know, Bill Self is dealing with a lot of competition in the Big 12 now. He's defended it off pretty well, but that's not all above board, which we know because the FBI knows it wasn't all above board. So that that's where my position on this is, is, you know, when tech and Texas are paying players and it now is becoming a salary race, that's more dangerous to the NIL than anything else, because I love the Matador Club. I, I think it's great for tech. I think it's great to pay these kids. I'm a big proponent of pay the freaking players. But you, if you're not on that side of the ball, you know, if you're not on my side with me, there is the general concern that does this become a salary cap situation? You know, it, it, are, are the, the New York Yankees like Texas going to just buy the best players from teams like the Oakland A's, you know, to draw back to you, those of you who watched Moneyball, right? Are we going to become farm teams for these schools that can pay more? You know, Tech's got deep alumni pockets. I'm not as worried about Tech, but if I'm, you know, Baylor, if I'm TCU, you may not have as deep of an alumni pool to draw on. If I'm BYU... You know, you, you may or may not, you know, some of these schools that with a little bit smaller or a little bit less wealthy alumni bases, there's concerns. There just are. And I, I think that the big shoe companies get involved doesn't change that as much as we might think. I know people are afraid of that, but the much bigger fear are local boosters just giving people a million dollars to come play football. Right. Like that's the much more real concern to me right now with the NIL era. It's unregulated money going to kids. And that's why I like the Matador club so much is it's public. We all know what they're being paid. We all know where the money's coming from. They didn't hide it. Yes. It's trying to induce kids to come in. And yes, that's there's sketchy questions about the charitable aspect or, or the fact that you can't are using it as a recruiting tool, but I don't care about that. Cody Campbell, Dustin Wommel, all the small boosters, all the small donors put their name there and said, this is our money. Here's who we want it to go to and why. And I think that's better than what's happening elsewhere. That's what NIL maybe wasn't supposed to be, but what it can be in today's, you know, unregulated wild ass world. Now we are running a bit low on time, so I'm going to pivot this discussion to the baseball draft. However, I think because we had a pretty solid NIL discussion, 
we have one more episode after this before we truly transition to straight football talk. And I think, guys, if, if we're all in agreement later, we're going to continue this talk with a few other topics that I didn't have time to steer us towards and let you guys run. But I want Jack to have this the last 10, 15 minutes of the show to really dive into the baseball stuff because we had a lot of guys taken in the draft and there's a lot of conversations happening about who's coming back and who's going. So, Jack, I'll let you take it from there. So this kind of expands on the NIL deal as well. I kind of touched on it briefly when I was going on my rant about uh, how the NIL will affect baseball. Um, these these kids who are recruits coming to Tech have a legit – that were picked today uh, in the 11th to 20th round. They have a legitimate – it's a lot harder of a debate, I think, than it used to be. Uh, you know, do you want to bet on yourself, come to tech, make some NIL money, improve your draft stock, improve your signing bonus, or do you want to take the money that's right there right now? Uh, for some of these people in this draft, you know, a signing bonus is life changing money. Uh, these kids are. 17, 18, 19 years old, and these these teams are throwing 125, if you're drafted today, $125,000. Uh, Jace Young, who was drafted at pick number 12, I think his signing bonus was, I mean, it was in the millions, but I, I, I want to say it was something like four, around four million. And that's just for the bonus. That's not your salary. That's a signing bonus. So it's it becomes a lot more difficult of a question for people that are drafted in the later rounds, especially kids that are not seniors in college. If you're you know a junior and you're drafted in the 18th round, you know, do I want possibly? 85k or do i want to go back to school and bet on myself and improve my draft stock um there are so many cases of people doing it if you want a positive one um the big 2022 big 12 pitcher of the year brandon birdsell he was drafted in the 39th round out of high school to go to the astros turned it down to go to school last year he was drafted in the 11th round by the twins Turned it down to bet on himself to come back and improve his draft stock. This year, 2022 Big 12 Pitcher of the Year, uh, I believe sixth round, possibly fifth, fifth or sixth round, uh, drafted by the Cubs. You know, that's that's a high six-figure, possibly in seven-figure signing bonus. So that's, a, that's an example of someone who bet on themselves and it worked. Uh, you know, but there's also the flip side of the coin. Uh, if you want to, if you want to look, and I'm not trying to shame anyone, um, but if you look at uh, Bob Moore, middle infielder at Arkansas, uh, he was he was right up there with Jace Young last year. With you know, everyone thought he was going to go top ten. Uh, I believe he got drafted in the second or third round. Thought he was top ten or first round potential bet on himself came back. And uh, I, I think he got drafted in like the sixth or seventh round this year, or maybe it was around the same, but it's so it's about even, but there, there are just times where you bet on yourself and it doesn't work, but there are also times where you bet on yourself and it does work. 
Um, I'll go ahead and jump into it. For those that missed it, MLB draft has been going on. First night was Sunday night. They did the first couple rounds. Jace Young got drafted with the 12th overall pick by the Detroit Tigers. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting pick for Detroit. It's going to be an interesting trajectory for Jace. Uh, you see a lot of different things when you're following uh, the accounts that I do. Uh, you see people thinking that they're going to change him to a corner outfielder. You see people thinking he's just going to be a straight DH, or you see people thinking that he's going to stick right at second base and be hot. You also see a lot of Detroit fans that are saying that the current uh, staff or I guess minor league system and staff is going to ruin his swing (laughs) and stuff, uh, which I I don't know if it's understandable. I can be 100% honest. I do not follow Detroit. I know, All I know about Detroit is who their manager is, and the only reason I know is because he was the manager when the Astros cheated and won the World Series. Um, moving on, Andrew Morris was taken next uh, by the Twins. Uh, he, was, he was taken on Monday, which, would, which was rounds, I believe, three through... 10, 3 through 9, 3 through 10. Uh, Morris was taken by the Twins. Brandon Birdsell was taken by the Cubs, as I mentioned. And the surprise of the draft for me, at least for Tech guys taking Chase Hampton, uh, taken by the New York Yankees in the uh, sixth round, I believe, which is uh, going to be very interesting. I'll have a write up on this out. Uh, Probably later on in football season, po- probably later in uh, – it's going to probably be in 2023 when I start deep diving into the baseball roster. But I w- it would be safe to say for me that all three of the guy, all three of your starters from this year are gone, uh, which the starting pitching being your strongest part of your – Pitching staff is a bit alarming, but like I said, I'll dive into that later. Uh, Today, Austin Becker was taken by Colorado, I believe in the 16th round. Becker is eligible to come back, so he'll, again, he'll have a, he'll have a decision to make. You know, will he bet on himself, come back to Tech? Will he take the money, go to Colorado, start working his way up through that organization? Uh, up to him. I had written in the year end article that I thought Austin Becker was going to be the X factor to the, the pitching staff next year because we've seen him out of the bullpen and be successful. But I also talked about some of his midweek starts. Granted they weren't against good competition, but we've seen him be, or we've seen him have success as a starter as well. Moving on to the recruits that got taken, two pitchers and a shortstop. Nolan Perry from Carlsbad, New Mexico. Gatorade, New Mexico Player of the Year, High School Baseball Player of the Year for the state of New Mexico. Uh, Right-handed pitcher, commit to Tech, was taken by the Toronto Blue Jays. Zane Petty, taken by the Milwaukee Brewers. And shortstop Travis Sanders, Tech's highest-rated 
position player recruit, if I'm not mistaken, was taken by the Boston Red Sox. Again, this opens the debate and not debate really, but it's it's a dilemma for these guys. All these guys were drafted in the third day uh, in between rounds 11 and 20. The most they can get is 125K in terms of a signing bonus. Uh, but, you know, we've seen some of those for the later round guys, those signing bonuses can dip all the way to 40, 30K. So you're talking NIL deals, as we've mentioned this whole episode, uh, with the Matador Club trying to duplicate the same deal that they gave football for basketball and baseball. If, if that's 25 K a year, you know, that's one year at tech. And if you, and if you don't go to the, if you don't go to the draft out of high school for the way it works, for those that don't know, you have to be 21 to be draft eligible before this year, they changed the rule to where if you are, if you turn 21 within a month, of the draft. So if you turn 21 within a month after the draft, I believe is the rule. Now you are eligible for the draft. So you see 20 year olds taken this year for the first time. Um, since that rule had been in effect that you had to be 21. I think that if you want to be, I'll lay it out on the line and I'll, I'll get more into death later. Obviously Jace is gone. Um, Birdsell and Morris are gone. Hampton, I would be shocked if he came back. So, again, that's your whole starting rotation. Um, Becker, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I don't really know if he's going to stay or if he's going to go. It just depends on if he wants to bet on himself. I think that with Hampton leaving – I feel like there's definitely a more wide open role for him in the starting rotation if he chooses to come back. Um, with the recruits, I would imagine that Travis Sanders, who's the shortstop that got drafted by Boston in the later rounds, I would imagine that he comes back because I think he can improve his draft stock. I don't want to speak for any. I'm not speaking for anyone when I say this. I think Petty. I think all three of them could come to Tech and improve their draft stock. If I'm being honest, I know Nolan Perry was taken in the higher of the 11 to 20 rounds. I I, I don't know exactly which round. I think I think it might have been 11 the 11th round by the Blue Jays, possibly the 13th. I it's it's up there. He's in the higher part of those rounds. So. I think his decision is the hardest out of all three. I think Sanders ends up coming to Tech. Uh, I, I think I, I think all three of them could come to Tech, like I said, and improve their draft stock uh, for two years. It just it's up to these kids, and for some of the like I mentioned, for some of these kids, a hundred and even a hundred k for a signing bonus is a life changing amount of money. Uh, so. We'll take a step back. We'll see. I'll have another write-up again. Once we get closer to baseball, I'll dive in deeper into the roster and the recruits that are coming in. But um, I would like to close out my talk on the draft by saying no matter which of these guys stay, which of them go, 
I, I know Jace is gone. Um, Birdsell's gone. Morris most likely. Morris is def- pro- most. I would say ninety five percent gone. Hampton, I'd be shocked if he came back. Um, and the rest of them, you know, uh, from us at Hub City and us at Viva the Matadors, you know, we wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. And uh, go make tech proud. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate that, that, you know, that it, it was quite an accomplishment to see all all three of Tech's ending weekend starters taken um, taken fairly early. Um, so the, the huge congratulations to all of those guys. Um, you know, Hampton probably having the most difficult thought process out of the group about coming back or not. But, you know, to, to whoever goes and whoever elects ultimately return, you know, your services will were, will not and were not taken for granted. Yeah, this past season didn't pan out exactly how we would all like. But, you know, there were a lot of great moments and, you know, the body of work that these guys put in, all of them gave it their all every week. And it's a huge accomplishment to the recruits debating whether or not to take the money or come and, you know, try to boost their stock at Tech. Whatever you ultimately decide, you know, the reason why you play baseball for Texas Tech is to end up in the big leagues. And if you've got a chance at that now, nobody's going to fault you for taking the money and trying to make the most of it in the minors for a couple of years. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, whatever decisions are ultimately made, you you – us here, you know, all of Red Raider Nation supports every decision these guys are making. Um, I'm going to close this out here. I, I want to get more NIL discussion, so I'm going to bring us back to this in our next episode. I think there are a couple topics I want to get, you know, Jack and Kendall's thoughts on. And for, again, the guys, these are a lot of these comments that everybody's making here are off the cuff, right? So I, I really appreciate Jack and Kendall being open to kind of these random and varied conversation we're having over a very difficult topic. I've mentioned this a few times now, but if you guys need recommendations on folks way more and plugged into these, you know, the, the actual nitty gritty of this, I can recommend some names of folks you can read or you can, you know, do your own research. There's a lot of great outlets for it. I've named a few. There's plenty more. Uh, there's some great places to go for this kind of information. And just what I would say in general about NIL, and we'll talk about more of these topics in the next thing, is it's neither good or bad yet. We're going to see in the next five, ten years what it turns into. I don't think we've seen the death of college football realignments infinitely worse for the game than this. It's infinitely worse for all college athletics than whatever NIL is doing. I don't think just like the transfer portal isn't going to kill college basketball, NIL is not going to kill college football. So, you know, just don't close your mind off to the possibilities that there are good and bad. Accept that the Matador Club is great for tech. And also understand there may be some questions about the vehicles used to deliver this money. And alternatively, while there may be some questions about how this was done, at the end of the day, kids are getting paid. And isn't that a good thing that the guys generating the revenue are getting it? It's a varied issue. It's a gray area issue. And I don't think that, you know, what is the the Star Wars quote? Only Siths deal in absolutes. I don't think you should ever look at this as just 100% good or 100% bad. For the tech faithful out there, be excited about the investment in your program you know, think about deep down what this means, what NIL means for you. You know, everybody's going to think about this differently. And just remember, at the end of the day, the college players are happy and that's good for the program. That's good for the program. Look at it at the micro if you can't quite make sense of the macro impact. And the micro is is that Texas Tech football is investing like never before in winning. So we're going to talk more. We're going to break down more topics. The discussion that you'll get next week include things such as um, the, the distinction between inducement and recruiting pitch. 
Um, we're going to talk about things such as how do non-revenue sports play into this a bit more. We'll talk about things about how does baseball maybe benefit from NIL and some of the areas in which baseball needs, you know, additional money to be to keep up with the pace in college sports and keep up with the MLB and the minors. Um, we're going to talk about all that next week. I, I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. And remember, we are not experts on any of these matters regarding tax law, financial decision-making, um, the economics behind this. We're just giving you guys our opinions, and hopefully we're not the only source you're listening to for these. Like I said, this is a complicated topic and one that is going to shape discussion around college sports for the next five to ten years before we really know how it shakes out. So just approach all of these discussions, everybody's opinion on this with a grain of salt, and make up your own damn mind for what you think. You know, these are our opinions. What the hell do you believe? Be, be you know, figure it out for yourself what you choose to believe in with regards to NIL. And, you know, make the most of whatever you can of the discussion and just always, always, always suspend disbelief when you hear about some of the sums of money being thrown around. You know, the Matador Club staking the reputation on this, but not everybody who says we're giving $4 million to a kid really is. So just that that's the final thoughts I want to leave with on that discussion. We'll be back next week to pick up other topics. Thanks again to Jack and Kendall for joining me. Hopefully next week we can get reading on this as well and find out where he stands in some of these points. Um, hopefully we can get us everybody back together. And then from that point on, it's going to be time to pre- preview football and really roll. So we're, we're closing down you know, the off season strong with one more NIL talk before switching to football talk. So hope you guys enjoyed, wreck them and have a great rest of your week.